0: This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience and a live set of 22 footballers.
1: Side one is calm, non-abusive, although highly fragmented. Side two is schizophrenic. It's
2: going down. I'm yelling timber, you better move, you better, move. You better dance, jiggitie. Let's make a night, you, bitch, you, gonna you won't remember. You. I'll be the one, I'll be the one, you won't forget. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I wear a suspend Suspendies and a bra. I wish I'd been a girly. Just like my dear Papa. Away from the Away
0: from the Hello, and welcome to episode sixty six of There's Still Time the AFTN Podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pander. I'm Aaron Campbell. And I'm Jay Duke. And we're going to bring you a special Cascadia Cup preview show from another Cascadia Derby. Yep, we're recording this live during the Vancouver Whitecaps Under-23, Kitsap Puma's Under-23 match at Percy Perry Stadium on Wednesday night. So the first Cascadian Derby of this season, a controversial end as we discussed in the post-game show on Saturday. Now that you've had a, a couple of days to think about it, guys, any difference of opinion as to, to how you think the game went? Any different opinion on the penalty situation?
3: No, it was pretty BS. Quite short and succinct from Jay Duke there. Um, yeah, I, I know people are taking, like, showing this stop image picture and trying to make something out of it. But remember, we have no idea where the ball is. I still think Cam Weaver wasn't even trying to jump and Jay Duke just happened to land on him after he headed the ball out. So that you know. Jay Duke? Oh, Jay Demerit headed the ball out.
0: <laughs> because I, I can guarantee if Jay Duke was like jumping for that ball, there would have been no penalty or arms on any shoulders. Yeah. So there would have been no jumping for the ball in the first place. So. True. You, you would have been a bit like Nigel Rio Coker for, for that first goal.
3: So that was Jay Demerit. I, I, Jay Demerit would have headed the ball out and it would have been no issues at all. It, unfortunately, he did get his hands out. He could have controlled it a little bit better, but overall, I think it was still... It should have been a 2-1 victory for Vancouver. Maybe even if they had finished earlier in the in the game, it wouldn't even have come to that.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the photo that was doing the rounds, if you haven't seen it yet, check out the AFTN Canada Twitter. We, we put it out late on Saturday night, early Sunday morning, something like that. Still could be doctored. I like when, when I look at the photograph and then I look at the actual play, I'm not really sure at what stage that photograph was taken, but it does show demerits hands on Weaver's shoulder but as I said at the time I would like to see some of the, the stills before some of the stills after it just to kind of see see what that was all about but but Aaron I mean a couple of days since the game's passed looking back at it now what's your view on it do you, do you see it as two points lost for the Whitecaps or the way that the signs have been going this season do you, do you think it was a credible draw in the end penalty decision apart?
1: Well, first of all, with the penalty, um, my biggest thing is I only thought it was called a penalty because it was Demerit who jumped. If it would have been Andy O'Brien, Jordan Harvey, same play, I don't think it would have been called. I think it's Demerit's reputation for sometimes playing a little too rough when he doesn't have to be. Um, It's definitely two points lost for us, so we should have won that game. We're in a great position to win the game. You know, it's kind of sad that one blown call, you know, cost us two
3: points. I don't know if it's a coincidence, but it just seems funny to me that the referee had the same last name as the demerit's neighbours had. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but it just seems fishy to me.
0: Now, I think I actually said in the post-game show that I'd I'd never heard of this referee. Um, I read a little bit about him that he'd given something like eight red cards in 28 matches. But it subsequently turned out he was actually a nominee for the 2013 Referee of the Year in MLS. Which really surprised me. What, what I found most interesting about it is this very, uh, like until this photograph surfaced, there was very few of anyone, even Sounders fans, that, th- that thought it was a penalty. Demerit on Monday at training was, was still adamant that it wasn't a penalty, and he, like, he didn't want to say too much about it. He didn't want to to really make any comments and, and make it worse. So we'll draw a line under that now. So before we finish talking about Saturday's game. There was of course that one big burning question from the game, and I'm glad to say that AFTN with our hard-hitting questions secured the scoop, and Kyle Robinson gave us the definitive answer to the burning question from Saturday. And the big question from Saturday, yep. two guys in front of me wanted to know, was it Mochaccino or Sandstone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> that that was the only one there! Seriously,
2: um, they had yeah. that discussion on so Saturday. Well, listen it's good if they're talking about it because the last time i wore a jumper at columbus someone slaughtered me for wearing a red jumper and brown shoes and i thought right i'll go safe i'll go white shirt i'll go beige jumper i said beige with a blue tie and blue trousers but you can't win one maybe i'll just go tracksuit next
0: (laughs) week So, as we said, uh, another Cascadia derby coming up this coming weekend against Portland. Before we look ahead to that, I want to play a little bit of audio that I put together last week. I'd hoped to put this in the, in the podcast on Saturday, but we kind of ran out of time editing-wise. It was quite a long podcast, as it was. But I spoke to a few of the Whitecaps players last week just to get a feel of wh- what it's like to play in these Cascadian derbies, what it means to them as a player, and for some of the guys that's played in the derbies in Europe... Just what the biggest games they've played in over there and how it compares and, and what the big derby matches were for the teams that they were with. So let's hear a little bit of audio now from Jordan Harvey, David Ousted and Jay DeMeritt.
1: Like I said, it's like a playoff atmosphere.
0: Um, you can feel
1: the support, the energy from the fans and uh, you know it's, it's always one that we want to win for them. And the Cascadia Cup, you know, that's some hardware that we want to keep.
0: You, you've played in a few of these Cascadian derbies now. How, as a player, how do you find the whole occasion, the atmosphere and
4: everything like that? It's, it's great. Uh, there's a lot of things going on, uh, both on and off the field. Uh, the fans are really into it and uh, just coming into a BC place that has that kind of atmosphere is just something that really wants to make you make you play and make you uh, wants to make you compete. So uh, we're looking forward to these games every time they're there and uh, just um, enjoy them.
0: And back in Europe what was the biggest Derby game that you played in there?
4: Um, I had a small uh, a couple of small ones uh, not as many uh, people as, as we have here. Uh, I've, I've tried a, a couple but this is definitely one of the, the bigger ones and just last year in Seattle and Portland was, was great uh, experiences for me so I'm looking forward to, to getting into BC place and
0: having that experience as well. You've played in a lot of these Cascadian derbies now. What's it like to be out there on the pitch?
4: It's amazing, you know. It's, uh, it really reminds you. obviously, playing overseas for many years, uh, you get that full atmosphere of that constant hum of chance, that, that, that full kind of uh, intensity where that comes with the rivalry and, and, and that only, only rivalry games seem to, to create. So I, I think these Cascadia games remind me a lot of that. Uh, both fans, uh, both sets of fans are very passionate about their clubs, and, and that's what we want. You know, that's what we're trying to build here in North America and, and in the MLS, and there's no better example than the Cascadia rivalry. So to be on that field and to see uh, and hear the noise that that, that creates, is, it, it's, a special, it's a special time, and I think that has to be one of the you know, things that lights the fire underneath you to go and try to perform well in these games. And at Watford, what was the big derby game that got you up? Uh, any of the London teams. Uh, Luton was our big rival, but uh, Luton didn't. Uh, he was only in the same league as us for one season. But uh, any of the London teams. Uh, West Ham was one. Was a big one. Uh, Millwall. Um, you know, any time Chelsea came to town, uh, was was a big one too. Any of the London derbies. Reading. Uh, anything in and around there was was, was a good derby. That's great.
0: So the Cascadia Derby certainly get the the players excited, certainly get the fans excited. And one of the things which I I think we're going to see now is everyone focuses on the Seattle-Portland game as being like the key Cascadia Derby. But I think now the the 4-1 game in Seattle and then what happened on Saturday with the penalty and everything like that, and even even the the last couple of games that BC plays between the Sounders and Vancouver, I think this Vancouver-Seattle rivalry is really, really To, to to grow and, and be something special. Uh,
5: it, yeah, it certainly is, but uh, the, really you have to admit that Seattle, Portland, I, I mean their rivalry goes beyond just the two soccer teams, it's the cities, it's the Pacific Northwest and the US. So it's gonna, always going to be tough for Vancouver to, outside of Vancouver, be a valued, uh, as valued a part of that rivalry as everybody else. The only way that we can get to that level is by consistently winning and consistently beating these guys. And if for two, three, four years, if we if we go on a string here, winning, if we win the Cascadia Cup this year, which we we could do, or you know, we're certainly better than Portland right now, and and obviously we we got to shout it at beating Seattle. Um, if we win the Cascadia Cup a couple years in a row they're both going to turn their hatred towards Vancouver and that can only be a good thing and that's how Vancouver is is going to be that uh, much hated rival in the South.
3: I totally agree with you. The Seattle and Portland right now the Seattle-Portland rivalry is so intense that each of them would if they had a chance would burn their stadiums steal their women and rape their horses no doubt in my mind.
0: Well to be fair there are some cute horses in Portland but, I mean, it has felt the last, the last couple of years that Vancouver's almost like the ginger step stepkid, kinda on the outside, don't quite fit in. But I, I think that's changing, and, I mean, it, it's, it can only be for the good. And it's actually something that I asked Carl Robinson on Monday at training, if he thought that this was now going to be a, a little bit more magical. So here's what Carl had to say about that. A lot's always made a like Seattle Portland rivalry, yep. but with the four one game now in Seattle and what happened on Saturday, do you think
2: like this Seattle Vancouver one's really, really brewing to be Special. A massive year? Yeah, Yeah, I, I really do. and I want it to be. Um, it's important for us as a club, it's important for us as a group of players and it's important for the supporters because, you know, we want to play in games that means something every every week and Obviously, it's a little bit special when you play Seattle and you play Portland. and I think on Saturday it was, you know, everyone went away from the game. I was disappointed, probably the most disappointed person, you know, in the stadium. But, you know, a lot of people went away and, uh, very happy, knowing that we put on a very good performance. Not, we, yeah, we didn't get the result, but I said we're in the early stages of what I'm trying to set out at this club. and I said all along it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in 3 months and, you know, you probably won't see the full fruition of it in 12 months. It's going to take, you know, a period of time for it to grow, but, you know, the signs are there that we're going in the right direction.
0: So, what's past is past. Let's look ahead now to Sunday's big match against Portland Timbers. And it's going to be another noisy and packed Providence Park unless they change the name of it before Sunday, which nothing would surprise me. They, they, they've gone through more names than Ziggy Schmidt's gone through hot dinners. So, Steve,
3: big game coming up on Sunday. What's your thoughts leading up to this? I think it's important for them to keep their momentum. They're The Whitecaps are right now, I think, undefeated in the last five games. Uh, it's it's uh, MLS games, at least. Uh, it should be a good, good test for them. Portland is starting to find their mojo back. Uh, they, they they won their second game of the year, and in actuality, they're not that far off because they've instead of losing a lot of games, they drew a lot of games this year. So it should be an interesting game. But Obviously, uh, any Cascadia game is going to be action packed.
5: Yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm not so confident that Portland ooh, is necessarily regaining their form. Um, I, I there was just on Twitter, Portland Timbers official. Twitter account tweeted out some stuff about how they've 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 had the most PK calls against them, like eight this year, and uh, the most over the last two years by a wide margin or something like that. And it's because Portland's defense is just so terrible. Their backline is is atrocious, and especially with the uh, with the soccer gods hopefully looking. Up on the Whitecaps uh, fondly after that the terrible call on Jay Demerit, we're sure due to have some action in and around the, the Portland Timbers box. So um, I I think it's a good matchup for for the Whitecaps even though they're on the road. Um, our our midfield has looked strong enough that that we can should be able to pretty easily um, at least compete with uh, with Will Johnson and Diego Chara. So I think it's going to be a good match. I think it'll be close just because it's a you know a Cascadia Derby and all that. But uh, you have to like the Whitecaps' chances with their attacking form lately and the uh, the, the backline of the Timbers.
1: Yeah. Um- Kind of with Jay on that, the Timbers defense this year hasn't been that good. Uh, I was looking earlier, Donovan Ricketts in 10 games this year, he has no clean sheets, you know, only has two wins, so it'll be great for the Caps to get a nice early goal. You know, keep the keep the play playing to their level, don't play down to Portland, keep their running gun style going, and we should
0: have a great chance to win. Now, one of the things that the, the Whitecaps players were talking about in, in training this week is a lot of a lot of teams and a lot of players that they, they go to Portland and they find it an intimidating atmosphere, but the Whitecaps guys they, they, they don't see it as intimidating as a lot of the other teams. And part of the reason for that is that they spent a whole week down there in preseason. They they're comfortable with the city, they're comfortable with the atmosphere, they're comfortable with the pitch because they trained on the pitch and they played some games on the pitch. They were undefeated for for that whole Rose City Invitational tournament. So the the guys do feel confident down there, which might seem a little bit strange because the Whitecaps have never actually won a game in Portland in MLS action. And I think Portland are going into this, they're unbeaten at home in something like 21 games as well. So looking at that on paper, it does look like it's gonna be hard for the Whitecaps to get anything. My gut feeling is it will be a draw, but I do think the fact that Portland are going to be playing three games over the space of nine days, they are going to be tired. They're going from coast to coast. They played New York on Saturday. They're playing Sheevas on Wednesday night. So there's going to be a lot of tiredness there, and that will play into it. And if you've got some some young guys like Mattox and Hurtado and and Kikutamani running at you, whether Mattox starts or not or whether he comes off the bench, it's like they're going to be running at, the, at this Portland D defence for a lot of the game, so that there's a lot so they're basically going to put them under a lot of pressure and I, I think that this could be a, a fast-paced game and I think there's going to be a lot of goals. So let, let's just have a, a quick chat about the Caps lineup.
5: What changes Jay, would you make from, from the team that, that drew on Saturday? Well, when you, you look at it, I mean, if you're Robinson, the, the team did everything that you... Oh. Oh. When you look at the... Per- <laughs> when you look at the the result uh, against Seattle, um, the performance was there. I, I don't know why there's any need to change it. They got something like 25 shots on net. I, I was I, I was yelling at my at the the, the players. To get some shots on net, that's the only thing that on, put it on frame is the only thing that you could really complain about. Um, but I think that's just something that'll come. So if you're Robinson, why go with anybody else? I, I, you know, Hurtado had another fantastic game. So how can you take how can you take him out and put Maddox in? Even uh, you know, especially coming off the injury, um, the only person that you might want to consider moving out is Mane, who kind of drifted in and out of the game a little bit. Uh, so if, if anybody, that's that's the one player you can look to move.
3: I still stand by. I, I wouldn't make too many changes, but I still would like to see uh, Russell Tiver get into the lineup. Uh, I think, obviously not as a holding midfielder, I think the Laba and Kofi are really solid and set there. But I'd like to see Russell on the right side, in front of Rio Coker, helping him out so we're not, you know, there's a risk of... Because is Portland is a little bit of a... A, a different dimensions for Park, so you're worried about Hugh coker getting caught up or something like that, so I'd like to see Russell there in order to help him out and be more of a defensive help to the right, right side of the midfield.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't make any changes to the lineup either. Um, the lineup didn't lose the last game. The lineup more than won the last game, you know, we just got screwed on a BS call. Um, you really can not break up the back four you know they played pretty solid defensively and Kofi and Laba have been great together so you wouldn't want to break them up up front Morales Fernandez Mane struggled a bit last game but I'd give them the start again and of course Hurtado up top uh, Maddox isn't tired from traveling from Switzerland straight to Portland on Saturday, maybe get him a good 30-minute run at the end of the
0: game. But other than that, I would keep the same lineup from last game. Now, the thing with Mattox is he he played on Monday. Carroll actually said on training on Monday, there was a the whole risk-v-reward aspect with Mattox, and that was why he didn't play him in the, in the game on Saturday. And he'd actually said to the Jamaican Federation that he really preferred if they didn't use him in Monday's match, but then, of course, he, he played 45 minutes. He's playing in Lucerne in Switzerland on Friday and then flying straight to Portland after that on the Saturday. So they're, they're wanting to see what shape he's in. They're glad that he's getting minutes with the Jamaican national team, but I, I think it's going to be hard to see him actually start the game. The, the one change I, I, I do kind of agree with Steve, the one change I would really want to make is probably putting Russell Tybert in for Fernandez, who I just didn't think had that, that good a game and then Russell's defensive play is going to really help Nigel back there because I mean, N- Nigel, he, he looked a little bit fitter, he looked a little bit sharper but there's a, a number of times he just didn't seem to have the legs. Obviously he can't jump either but I I think that would maybe be my only change I would probably keep an unchanged lineup uh, apart from that so just before we wrap up this episode let's have a quick once round the team and let's get your predictions for the game on Sunday let's start with Jay
5: pretty bullish on the Whitecaps right now Uh, I I think that uh, they're in form right now and going against a a backline they can take advantage of Uh, and for the first time in since they've join the MLS, the Whitecaps have uh, a midfield that can go toe-to-toe with, with pretty much uh, any team out there. So I'm going to predict a Whitecaps win. Uh, I'm going to say it's going to be an a, a exciting game, like Michael says. I'm going to say 3-1 Whitecaps. Uh, so Aaron, uh, what's your prediction for
1: Sunday? I got two ironclad sources I can't name that says it will be a 2-1
3: Whitecaps win. Steve? It'll probably come down to one of our most important players on the pitch, and that's Matias Lava. Will he be able to control what Diego Valeri does on the pitch? Can he shut him down like he shut down other guys like Iguin in the past and other players? And what can Kofi do and help out in, in negating Nagby? I think if that, those two things happen, I think, I think they will get goals, and I think it's a 2 nothing win for the, uh, Vancouver. So, yeah, I think
0: it will be an exciting game. I think there will be goals. I think the Whitecaps will get two. And Portland, I can see, also getting two, maybe just one. A lot's going to depend on, on how quick out the blocks of Whitecaps go. What I like about the Whitecaps team just now is it doesn't matter if you mark Hurtado out of the game, you've got Manny. If you mark Manny out of the game, there's Matix, there's Morales, there's Kofi now. There's just so much of an attacking threat. It's just, it's just really exciting. I think it will be a draw. I'm going to go for two all. But I'm also going to hedge my bets and say that if Portland get off to a slow start, then it's going to be a 2-1 Whitecaps win. Either way, it's going to be another Cascadia Cup Classic, and I, I for one, can't wait. I'm heading down there, and I'll hopefully bring out maybe just a, a mini-podcast with some post game stuff after the match. So that's it for another episode of There's Still Time. We're not sure how this is going to
3: sound. Oh, no, the music's starting. <laughs>
0: It's the final whistle, as you can hear in the background there.
5: So let's just see where we can find everyone online. Jay? I am at jay underscore Duke on Twitter and writing for CSN. And Aaron,
1: where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Camp 81 That's A-A-C-A-M-P 81. Also writing for AFTN Canada on Canada Soccer News.
3: Steve? You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And of course I'm writing for CSN and Canadian Soccer News as well. Just not very often.
0: (laughs) And I'm Michael McCall. You can find me online at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff on AFTN on Canadian Soccer News. And you can also read my stuff, I'm the White Cats beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com and you can read my stuff on Soccerly.com So we've got a Cascadian derby coming up at the weekend Lots to look forward to I say we hope to bring you some post-game stuff after that match But until then, thanks for listening Hope you are able to hear it okay Take care And more the Caps
2: One day, I shall come back Yes, I shall come back Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.